0: Read the next chapter. Read the
1: next chapter. You guys ready? Yeah. Yeah. Little girls, come here. It's time for story. What happened last in the D-Decoy? That's right. The other little girls were beating on her, right? They were knocking her into a tree. They were being so mean. Remember that? Mhm. Yeah. And who saved her? Uh, oh, Missus Brooke. Brooke. Miss Brooke came, right? She figured out that something was going on, but after school, and so she showed up and she watched and she saw that happening, and she saved Kizzy. And then a car came down the lane at the very end, and it was the headmaster of the school. That was the last thing that happened. It was the principal? Yeah, the headmaster is like a principal. (laughs) Chapter 5 Fourteen pairs of girls' eyes watched Mr. Fraser's car drive Kizzy and Miss Brooke away. That evening at home, every one of the fourteen felt her heart leap each time the telephone rang or anyone knocked at the door. They had seen Dr. Harwell's car drive to the cottage. Later, Admiral Twist came Is she very ill, then? Will she die?" They stole in one to the other, gathered in groups, and waited. It was Prue and Mary Jo, whispered Susan, who really was a coward. It was Jennifer and Anne. When my mom finds out, I shall tell her it was them. It was all of us, Mary Jo was more honest, and the anxious questions went on. What will they do? What will Miss Brooke, Mr. Fraser, Admiral Twist? How can we go to school tomorrow? But we'll have to. I feel sick, said Susan. What will they do? It began to seem they would do nothing, which made the girls more nervous. Wait till my mom and dad here, Sally had said. But it seemed a miracle this being, wasn't being... The village did not hear. There was nobody. Then was nobody going to tell. Remember the time some money was stolen, said Prue. Mr. Fraser sent for the parents. Wouldn't he send for them now? It seemed not. Fathers and mothers were going about their ordinary and everyday affairs. Is Kizzy not well, then? Asked Mrs. Cuthbert. I'm keeping her in bed for a day or two, Miss Brooke said smoothly. Then, was Miss Brooke not going to tell Oddly enough, the silence made Susan feel sicker, and even Prudence felt filled with unease. The village naturally talked. What has happened to the level child now? She fell out of a tree. No, a tree fell on her. She is being x-rayed. X-rayed? The girls did not like the sound of that. When Kizzy opened her eyes to find that once more she was in bed, but with her head singing and throbbing, two tears had squeezed themselves out from under her lids. Only two. Cry, Kiz, said Miss Brooke. It will do you good. Won't cry for them, quavered Kizzy. She has a tough little nut, said Dr. Harwell. Fortunately for her and for them, she'll be all right. Little brutes, I should like to give them all a good tanning. So would I, said Miss Brooke. It would do them good, but it wouldn't help Kizzy. But these are nice children, Mr. Fraser had said in bewilderment. Most of them are very nice. Until they gang up, said Miss Brooke. Yes, Mr. Fraser sighed. One can't understand. "'but one sees it again and again. "'They gang up on a particular child. "'Probably he or she is nice, too. "'If one clamps down as Mrs. Blunt did, it goes underground, "'and it's worse for the victim. "'How can it be dealt with?' "'I think it's dealt with already,' said Miss Brooke. "'For a moment, they thought they had killed Kizzy. "'They won't forget that, and Kizzy, too,' "'isn't quite innocent. "'She has hit and bitten and scratched and spat. "'Besides? "'Besides? "'It's a children's war. "'Let the children settle it. "'But if it happens again, it won't,' said Miss Brooke. "'Elizabeth Oliver, Clem's sister, had told Clem, "'and Clem had come straight round to the cottage. "'It won't. "'The boys know. "'Ah,' said Mr. Fraser. "'Why won't you pick on someone your own size?' said Clem. "'Rotten little stinkers. Dirty cowards.' "'From their side of the playground, the boys yelled, "'Scaredy-cats, have to get fourteen of you to tackle one.' "'And cowardly, cowardly custard.' "'Can't eat bread and mustard,' the boys sang. "'Kizzy's empty place was like a sore mark in the classroom. "'I wish Mr. Fraser would send for us all and tell us off,' Mary Joe spoke for them all. "'It would be even, then.' "'I don't mind,' said Prudence loftily. "'I'm glad. I don't care a pin for, Lo- for Kizzy Lovell. "'You'll soon—' "'Prudence.' "'You'll soon care,' said Clem. "'If I catch you after her again.' "'Prue started to chalk. "'Clem Oliver loves Kizzy Lovell on the wall.' "'But Clem came and rubbed it out "'with a look of unutterable disdain. "'Kick her,' said one of the boys. "'I don't kick girls,' said Clem. "'But I can give them barley sugar.' "'Barley sugar was twisting an arm behind the victim's back. "'He only gave Prue's arm one twist.' and then let her go. That's a taste of what you'll get, said Clem. Prudence hissed like an angry little cat, but Clem simply walked away. Prudence Prudence is the girl who's sort of mean. (coughs) I'm not coming back to school, Kizzy would have told Clem if she told anyone, but she knew how to keep secrets, which is by not telling anyone at all. I can't go to the orchard, she had said to herself in that time in bed. They can't have me at the house, so as soon as I'm up, I'll get Joe, and Joe and me will go away. She could not say run, because Joe could only plod. She began gathering scraps of food in a carrier bag Miss Brooke said she could have. She had kept every penny of the pocket money Miss Brooke gave her, to buy sweets or any little thing you want. "'but Kizzy bought nothing. "'Don't you like sweets?' "'Kizzy did like the few that had come her way, "'but buying them meant going to the village shop "'where they ask her questions. "'There was one question she herself asked, Miss Brooke, "'as soon as her head was better. "'Can I go to the house on Saturday?' "'I expect so. "'If you keep quiet. "'I'm always quiet with Joe.' Dr. Harwell thinks you can go back to school on Monday. To Miss Brooke's surprise, Kizzy only nodded, as if it did not matter. Yet she must mind, thought Miss Brooke. It must be an ordeal. She looked across Kizzy's face, which seemed contented, thought Miss Brooke. How could she be contented, this unfathomable child? But Kizzy was far away, far over the downs on Joe's back. They would walk along at night, when everyone's in bed and no one will see us, and camp in woods and orchards, build a fire. She would collect sticks and pick up old dung for fuel. Why, Joe himself could supply a fire. An old saucepan, thought Kizzy. There was an old one Miss Brooke used for chickens. She had two, so she could spare one. I must take matches, planned Kizzy. She had not a flint like Gran's. A blanket, some sacks, A net of hay for Joe. Nat would not miss one. Her bag of scraps. I can pick onions and potatoes from people's gardens. She was small enough to get through hedges. Perhaps find an egg. Then, when they were far enough away, she would build a house of branches or find a hollow tree. It's good I am so small. Only first, she must be well enough at the weekend to go to Amberhurst house. She would spend Saturday there, get full of food, stuff myself, thought Kizzy. So it will last. Collect and hide her things. Go again on Sunday. And after lunch, when Admiral and Peters dozed and Nat went to the lodge to read the Sunday papers, say goodbye to Kezia Cunningham. Then put the things on Joe, and we'll just go, thought Kizzy. She suddenly gave Miss Brooke a beaming smile. Kizzy said Miss Brooke at breakfast. Admiral Twist telephoned last night. Kizzy stopped a piece of toast halfway to her mouth. He didn't say I couldn't come, but I must, she said. I have to see Joe. Miss Brooke made a queer sound, like a hiccup, and put down her cup. It seemed as if she were going to say something, but changed her mind. As soon as you're ready, we'll go. Kizzy was too busy with her own plans, hiding the blanket, filling her pockets with matches, bringing out the loaded carrier bag. Scraps for Joe, she said, which was partly true. There were one or two apples. Miss Brooke made another of her queer noises, and queerly too, did not put Kizzy down at the gates, but drove her up to the house, which did not suit Kizzy's plans. Tell Admiral Twist, I will come if he wants me, said Miss Brooke, as she let Kizzy out. Why should the Admiral want her? He, Peters, Nat, Kizzy, did not want anybody on Saturdays and Sundays. And why did Miss Brooke look grave and as if she were sorry? Why should she be sorry? For a moment, a cold little puzzlement touched Kizzy, and she shook it off. If Miss Brooke were in trouble, she was sorry. But this was Saturday, and tomorrow, with the blanket on her shoulder... Carrier bag bumping against her legs, Kizzy set off for the stables and stopped. Usually she went straight to the stables and meadow. Later on, she and Nat would go to the house and have cocoa and in the kitchen with Peters. Usually Kizzy did not see the Admiral till lunchtime, and not always then. Often he stayed in his workshop. But this morning he was in the stable yard waiting. Waiting for me. "'Kizzy's heartbeat, heart seemed to skip a beat. "'He did not call out to her, but waited, "'and as she came up to him, "'she saw that the look on his face "'was the same as Miss Brooks, "'grave and sorry, "'sorry to sadness. "'Then Kizzy was frightened, "'more frightened than when Mr. Blunt had come "'and taken her to school, "'or when Peters had fetched her "'and the Does talked about her and Joe.' When she dared take Joe to the Admiral, or when she was sent to Miss Brooke and when the girls caught her on her way from school. As she looked up to, at the Admiral, her eyes were stretched wide with fear. Kiz, said the Admiral. It's Joe. Joe, it came out as a gasp. Admiral Twist never dodged, but said things plainly. Joe died last night, Kiz. He's dead. Dead. The gravel seemed to tilt under Kizzy's feet. The stable cupula... The stable cupola to run up into the sky. She dropped the blanket and the bag. Admiral Twist steadied her and brought her to the old mounting block. Nat went to give him his hay at seven o'clock and found Joe with his head hanging, dozing. Nat gave him a pat and held out some sugar, but Joe did not look at it. And then he went down on his knees. Matt ran and got some beer. Joe liked beer. The words seemed to be torn from Kizzy. But again, he wouldn't look. Then Matt said he rolled over on the grass and was dead. Was he ill? No, said the Admiral, but he was old and tired. Nat says his teeth were all worn down, which was why we couldn't fatten him. But Joe died in his own time, Kiz. Not many horses do that, and in his meadow, on his own grass, where he had lived. Show me him, said Kizzy. Show a child a sight like that, Mrs. Cuthbert was indignant when she heard. Trust a man to do such a thing. You can trust the Admiral, said Miss Brooke. He knows Kizzy, wouldn't have believed him else. But to let her see such a sight. Joe had not been a sight. When Admiral Twist took Kizzy to him, he was lying peacefully on the grass. Kizzy held the Admiral's hand. Nat came out, took Kizzy's other hand, and together the three And together the three of them stood looking. At the big, still body. At Joe's head with the white blaze on his nose. His eyelashes. Nat had closed his eyes. His great legs and mighty hooves that were split and gray. It was a long while since he had worn shoes. His bay coat still shone. Nat had given him many a rubbing. Joe seemed as if he were asleep. But deep, deep asleep. Kizzy went nearer. Careful, said Nat. He's getting stiff. Will. will the knacker. the hounds get him now? They can't, said Admiral Twiss. Can't? Kizzy's head came up. Joe is safe, said the Admiral. Because this isn't Joe. He's not here. Kizzy broke from him and put her hand. To Joe's nose, not touching him. He doesn't huff, she said. Of course not. He isn't there. Kizzy looked at the admiral as if weighing what he said, and put down her hand again to Joe. The warm is gone. Yes. What is that? What is that dead horse? It was. I think what the admiral means is that Joe has like gone to heaven, so it's so he's not really there anymore. It's just the body that he's that he's not using anymore. Admiral Twist came to her and gently touched Joe's body. This is just his old clothes, Joe, his he doesn't need them anymore. Where is he? Mrs. Blunt might have said in the horse's heaven. But Admiral Twist was plainer. We don't know. Nobody knows. But I believe we shall find out. When we're dead? Perhaps. It seems to make sense, doesn't it? Said the Admiral. If Joe isn't here, he must be somewhere. Come. We'll leave his body to Nat. "'Shall I go to the house this morning?' "'Kizzy asked Miss Brooke on Sunday. "'Of course.' "'For what?' "'Kizzy could have asked. "'But as if she had. "'Admiral Twist and Peters are there,' said Miss Brooke. "'And Nat. "'There are other horses.' "'That was what Nat had said. "'You have to swallow this.' "'Kizzy almost automatically had gone to him "'in the stables where he was hosing down Flavius, a colt, who had a swollen leg. Swallow it down. Joe was a horse, and like it or not, horses won't last you all your life. They come and they go. Dealing with horses? You have to learn that. Near broke my heart, I did, when Royal went to Beechers. Beechers? The jump in the Grand National. What a jump. Feels as if you dropped 20 feet. Must clear the water. He went in, I had to pull him out with ropes, but his neck was broke. Royal and Taggart reared him by hand, I did. And Bonbon bon used to put her nose in my pocket for sugar. And did she nip if there wasn't any? Right spoiled she was. Peppermint creams, too. But blessed me if she didn't get moon blindness and went blind bit by bit, so she had to be put down. You have to swallow it. Admiral Twist said the same. I lost Rainbird, and said it of his grandmother, Kezia. She had an Arab mare, a white one called Silver. Silver used to come up the front steps for sugar and followed her like a dog. What happened to Silver? Broke a leg out hunting. What happened? Had to be shot. The Admiral said it abruptly, as if he could not bear to think of it even now. And Kizzy put her hands over her ears seemed to her it seemed she seemed to hear that shot but you have to swallow it said Nat and come along and give me a hand with Meadowsweet he was pulling the filly's tail shaping it said Nat the long hairs came out one by one in his nimble hands while Meadowsweet fidgeted tossed her head and pretended to bite and did nothing even when Nat let Kizzy try doesn't hurt her only tickles if you take a firm hold, and give a quick, firm pull down. Afterwards, he let Kizzy lead Meadowsweet back to the paddock. It's the only thing to do. Go on to the next one. Did Kizzy, did your grandmother have another horse after Silver? Kizzy asked the Admiral. Bless me, yes. Silver was one of a long, long line of hunters. And the Admiral said what Nat said. You have to go on to the next one and they all seemed to have forgotten that Kizzy had no next one. I think you will find that they won't touch you again, Miss Brooks said on Monday, when she dropped Kizzy at school. In fact, I'm sure of it, and did not dream how right she was. Everyone looked at the mark on Kizzy's forehead. The girls gave it surreptitious glances in the classroom. It was like a visible scolding, but no one spoke of it and no one spoke to Kizzy either except Mrs. Blunt and Mr. Fraser in the playground at break time. He made a point of coming there and found Kizzy sitting by herself on the steps with a book. All right again, Kizzy? Yes, sir. But it was not all right. There seemed to be a magic circle drawn around Kizzy, invisible, and no girl crossed it. When she came out to go home, Two boys, Stephen and Tommy, smaller than Clem, who did not come out until half past three, were waiting at the gate. Stephen walked on one side of her, and Tommy on the other. "'You needn't,' said Kizzy. Clem said, "'We was to," and they plodded on. Next day it was George and Robert. The girls watched, but none of them taunted or sang an insult out. "'Mr. Fraser must have ordered the boys to do that,' they said among themselves. It made them feel more than ever under a cloud. And they kept away from Kizzy, as she kept away from them. At break and after dinner play, when the boys were in separate playground, Kizzy sat on her step with the largest book she could find. She could almost read now. Miss Brooke helped her in the evenings. But everyone knew she certainly could not read the Encyclopedia Britannica. She took a volume because they were the largest books in the classroom. Once, Mary Joe playing hopscotch, called, Come on and hop, Kizzy. But Elizabeth Oliver whispered, Silly, she doesn't know how to play. Kizzy put down her book, walked to the chopped-out space. She gave a withering look at Elizabeth, cast her pebble, and hopped neatly and exactly from square to square, and then home without fault. Her legs were far stronger than theirs. Then she walked back to her place, sat down, "'and buried herself in her book. "'Even at dinner there seemed to be "'a little iceberg of silence each side of her. "'It was not that she was ostracized now. "'It was simply uncomfortable to be near her. "'Somehow neither she nor the other children could begin, (laughs) "'except Clem. "'He often came at weekends to Amberhurst House. "'An admiral liked him more and more, "'and sometimes in the week to tea at the cottage.' You ought to ask Kizzy back, said his mother. She won't come, surely. But no thank you, said Kizzy steadily. Mrs. Cuthbert, too, asked her to tea or to spend the day with Prue. But Kizzy went into such panic that Miss Brooke had to promise she need not go. Not ever. Promise, promise, begged Kizzy. Yet she was feeling lonely. Funny, when she was in the orchard, solitary except for Graham. she had never felt alone. Now, in the middle of girls and boys, she knew sharply what loneliness was. She walked to school by herself, and soon by herself walked home when Clem was sure that she was safe from Prue's gang. Then he, re- he had released the boys. It was not only school in those warm summer days, May, June, July... Miss Brooke would find Kizzy standing at the open window, gazing, she told the Admiral. Once she put her arm around Kizzy and said, I wish I could help you, Kiz. Kizzy leaned against her, rubbed her curls against Miss Brooke's shoulder. She would never have done that a few weeks ago. I wish I could help. You do, said Kizzy. But it was such a weary little voice that I knew I didn't. Ms. Brooke told the admiral, and she said something must be done to heal this.